This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston, episode 19, Run for Office. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for goal-getting, fear-facing women who are kicking ass by creating change. I'm your host, Lindsay Preston. I'm a wife, mom of two, and a multi-certified life coach to women all over the world. I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me as I challenge you to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you are meant to be. Let's do this. Miss Unstoppable Woman. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. I am so excited to share this episode with you today. I swear I say that every time. Um, But today we're talking about running for a political office. So regardless of what party you fall in, I want more women running for office. And to be honest, running for office has always been something that I have dreamed about as well and thought, man, one day I may do this. And I happened to meet a woman named Megan Badera just casually networking in Dallas, because that's where I am, if you didn't know. And she reached out to me one day and said, hey, Lindsay, I just want to let you know that I'm starting this program or this company called Women Campaign. So if you know anybody who's interested in running for office, send them my way because I can help them with their campaigns. And I just thought it was this really cool miracle from the universe, the synchronicity, since this has always been a dream of mine. I started talking to Megan a little bit more about it, listened to some of the other podcast interviews she had done. And I said, Megan, I have to have you on the show. I want anybody out there who listens to this show to have this information to know that they can go and run for office and potentially that that Megan could help you because she breaks it down today in a very easy understandable way because to someone like me who doesn't know that much about running for office it seems very overwhelming and so Megan just really makes it understandable to allow you to see that this is something feasible this is something that you could be doing and I know many times we just see these big elections like right now we have the president's election coming up here in 2020 in the in the states Um, but all these little local offices that we could be running for and making decisions and impact in and Megan really breaks it down again in such an amazing way there are things she said in this interview that I will never ever forget because she's just allowed me to understand um, running for office and our government in a way that I've never really thought about before so I hope this episode is something that will help you regardless of if you're thinking of running for office because this kind of just is a great one to listen to to become a better human to be honest especially if you're here in the U.S. to, go, to start to understand our government more. We need to be informed. We need to know what's going on. I've been somebody who was in a very political family, um, meaning we just like to vote and my parents are very, very passionate about, about the party they're in. Um, and so it's it's important that we know kind of behind the scenes of stuff too, because if you're like me, you're starting to see some of us are getting screwed and we need to be informed about everything. So my interview with Megan is jam-packed. I won't talk any more about it, so I can just cut right to the interview. I hope you enjoy this interview with Megan and um, I can't wait to share it with you. So here it is. 
Megan, thank you so much for being on the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast today. I told the listeners all about you and why I wanted to bring you to the show, but I want to hear from your mouth. Kind of tell us what Women Campaign is all about and why you felt the need to create it. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. Like You have just been an inspiration, and I actually think you were the first person I met when I moved to Dallas, and so it's nice to get to connect this way. Um, so Women Campaign is an outcome of my 10-year career running political campaigns, where I say less than about 10% of the clients I had over the years were women. And so, you know, maybe it was just all the news, everything that's going on in the world right now, but it just, you know, something tugging on my heartstrings is that this is a place where I, it's not just that I can give back, it's a place where I need to give back because we need more women in the conversation, um, but at every level of government. I mean, a lot of times, there's a lot of talk about getting women in Congress, and that's great, but we're not talking about how we can get more women involved, starting at school board or local government, and helping them climb up to those federal levels. So I set out and I recruited a couple of other girlfriends in the industry to put together a training program that's completely online and take it whether they live in big cities, small cities, if they're running for school board or Congress, to really get them ready to go and start thinking about running for office or at the very least helping the other women in their lives running for office. Wow. So Megan, what I hear there is you saw a lot of women who aren't running. And I saw a stat on your website that said, although women are 50% of the population, only 25% are elected officials. So why has it been that, other than just the patriarchy in general? Why is it that women are just now stepping up, you think? There's a lot of theory and research on that um, going around right now. But what the prevailing theory is that, and it's actually even consistent with women beyond politics, women in the workplace, um, women in other areas, but they're not often in, in the room where it happens, to quote Hamilton, but um, they're not often in the circles or in the groups, the powers that be saying, hey, we should record, recruit Jane to run for office. No, 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 because oh, Joe here, he's in the room. And so it's more about getting um, the idea of women running for office out there, as well as encouraging women to put their names forward. Um, to be recruiting supporters and advocates, just like um, the popular movement right now is for women to be doing that in the workplace. They also be, need to be doing that in the community and public arena. And I think that's where we're starting to see the shift. We're starting to see women say, you know, hey, I don't understand why, for example, in Congress, we're voting on a women's issue. Just pick one. But three out of every four votes cast about a woman's issue are cast by men. And I want to start having a conversation about that, which then leads into a bigger conversation about recruiting those women to, to run for office and to support the other women who are putting their names out there. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think will open up as we have more women in office? What, what's kind of your vision that you see there? That is a, an interesting and a really a good and deep question is, you know, for me, I'm looking for more cooperation, more discourse in politics. Um, I certainly believe we're at a horrible time in our country's history, and I guess this is not the first time, 
but where we have so much partisan fighting and it's become more about um, the characteristics that define you and less about the issues that are impacting regular everyday Americans. And so by, I personally believe that by bringing more women into a conversation, we're going to have a conversation instead of just shutting it down or yelling at each other or uh, having the debate through the media is, um, and there's been some st stories and statistics of some of the women trailblazers when they've gone to Congress have managed to do great things because they sit down the other women and they have a conversation and they look for places of agreement, not places of disagreement. Yes. So great relationship building overall, regardless absolutely. of party and beliefs is what I hear there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of mentioned it earlier, Megan, but I want to go back to it and you didn't say it directly, but you have a women campaign school, right? Yep. Okay. So tell us about that and what it does. Yeah. Fantastic. So, um, this is part of, you know, kind of where, where my heart was. I just recently moved to Dallas and had left um, a lot of my network behind, you know, and I, I still run campaigns and, um, both in my hometown and my new hometown in Dallas. Um, but what occurred to me is that so many women are finding their support network in an, in online. And so many of the current training programs are either um, guest speakers coming into a community or you having to leave your community and go somewhere else. And that often comes with a huge expense. And so what we're doing at Women Campaign you know, really sets us apart from the other group is we're creating a completely online training program um, with modules ranging from, you know, what you can be doing now before, you know, as you're just thinking about maybe you want to run for office, all the way up to how you set up your campaign. And that can be done on your nice weekends, that can be done at nap time, and that can be done um, anywhere across the country, and significantly lowering that overhead cost. The other thing is, um, through that, we're creating um, groups of the women going through the program because sometimes, um, especially in politics, it can feel very negative. It can just feel like you're always under attack. You've got your primaries and then your general elections. And sometimes uh, it's nice to hear from other women, even if they're in uh, other sides of the country, maybe even different political parties. But we're all fighting the same battles to try to represent our communities and um, the issues that we believe in. So we're really, we're building more of a community as well as that training program to get you started. That's awesome. So, you know, Megan, you and I have briefly chatted about this, that I've always had kind of this side inkling desire to run for office at some point, but it just seems so overwhelming and there's so much potentially involved in that. So can you kind of break us down? And I know there's so many different offices out there that involve very different things, but can you kind of just give us like an overall gist of what would be involved if we were to run for some sort of probably local office? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that's great. And that's what I love about your heart and wanting to give back in those ways. But what women campaign loves is that you're thinking about it now and you're starting to put those pieces together now. So, I mean, the basic structure of your campaign is you've got to decide um, that you are running. That's often, you know, I will ask my candidates, are you in? Um, because that really does uh, change your view as we start setting things up. 
Um, but then the next question I'm going to ask you is why are you running um, and what issues are important to you? And so as you're you know, thinking about running for office, I would challenge you um, to really be internal the things that get you fired up. Um, and whether that be, you know, you see a problem at your child's school or it could be as simple as a pothole that you can't get the government to fix. And but having that core reasoning on why you want to run, because without that, you're going to struggle to get keep your own motivation up uh, to do the hard work. Because then once we get into our campaign season, we get you filed to run for office. Being it, we're looking at, we got we to gotta call those donors, and those donors are going to ask you why you're running and what you're going to do. Um, we're knocking on doors. We're talking to voters, and because at the end of the day, these are the people you're running to represent. And so we're going to be out there um, talking to them and making sure that what is important to them is reflected in your messaging and your goals when you're, when you're elected. And then... Um, Really, we're going to bring it all together and get your advertising campaign together. And that your advertising campaign is going to scale up and down based on the size of that office. But uh, whether you're running for, you know, dog catcher, um, we're still going to be talking about we've got to have a vehicle for getting that message out. And so that's a really quick overview, kind of the basic pieces of, the, of your campaign. Wow. So exciting, Megan. It just like yeah. it, it, it seems more exciting when you say it. <laughs> Because <laughs> well, otherwise good, it just look it looks overwhelming and seems scary. It does, but and that's where you know I am certainly not saying that everybody has to have a um, everybody has to um, hire someone to run their campaign. I'm not saying it you know has to be professional or fit inside a certain box. But one of the things, you know, when I first got into the industry, and I did it right out of college, is there was a lot of pushback. There was a lot of pushback that I was too young. Uh, there was even pushback that I was a girl, but not as, as vocal. Um, but mostly there was pushback that I was upsetting the status quo. But in my personal opinion, is that if you, Lindsay, are going to put your, yourself out there and run for office, and you want to, you know, ask someone how, how to do it, that should be allowed. That should be encouraged. And um, I'm, I don't know. I like, I hope I'm not in the minority, but I think in our political discourse, it might seem like it, but primaries are actually really good things because they require you to, um, to talk, to reconnect with those voters and not just take them for granted. And so the fact that uh, you can get professional campaign help who can point you in the right direction, make sure you're talking to the right voters and help you put the pieces together, um, makes it manageable. But um, not every race is going to have that budget. And that's where women campaign comes in is that my goal is, is kind of twofold. If you're running in a small race, you know, school board, you're not going to have that budget to hire a professional. And so one, you get the training program, you know, all the pieces. Two, you get a support network of other women also running for office. Um, but you also, um, for those who may, who are able to hire that help or are running for a higher office, my goal is that you have already done running for office 101. And so you're, um, able to hit the ground running when you hire your team. Uh, you've already answered that question of why am I running or what's important to me or how I set up my campaign entity. So, yeah, absolutely. Our goal here is to make this manageable. And I, I think, you know, funny enough, going back to our first question, it's one of the reasons that keeps women out of politics is that it feels overwhelming. 
Yeah, because the question that always goes through my mind is how much time and money is involved because I am a mother. I have obviously a business. You know, where what what do I need to do in order to add this to my plate of many women already feel like their plate is already so full and yet we want to be in those spaces and at those tables and in those meetings where we can help make decisions, Megan, but it just seems like too much. So with that said, you know, can you kind of give us a ballpark of, you know, what kind of time and money could be involved for say, you know, just a local community office? Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, it varies not just, you know, at levels of office, but even at different communities. Um, is that some communities, it is actually by law a, pay, a paid or a full-time or a part-time job, and whereas other communities, it is very clearly a, um, a volunteer or do-it-as-you-can um, job. So that, that really, there isn't a blanket answer for that. Um, so what I, I would, I guess, remind you is that Right now, our political discourse is really shaped by a few key groups is you get your political actors, but the people who your career politicians, just putting it that bluntly, is they either um, their finances, for whatever reason, being in office, running for office, that is a career for them. You get your folks who are retired um, from a lot of different industries. And, um, and then you get your folks who are your working professionals. And so each of those groups are giving it a different amount of their time, but it makes it a whole lot easier for certain groups to have more representation because their representatives have more time to give. But as for, you know, working a mother, you know, who needs to, um, you know, to, to give that time accordingly is we're, we're really looking at a part-time nights and weekends job for the most part running for local government. Um, but that being said, it's a couple days a week um, and usually a few hours at a time. And so a lot of people do, they find it completely manageable. You know, the first year is overwhelming. It always is. But then you get into that groove. And um, I think going back to, you know, when you're, when you're running for office, um, thinking about what those priorities are, what do you, what do you want to accomplish? What's important to you? And that's really going to dictate how involved and at which, um, which areas and how much time they take um, once you're elected. But getting to elected, what I will tell you is that that election year, especially that first election year, is that it, there's a lot of work to do. But um, the, I think the more people you can build up around you, the greater support network you have you know, through your family, your friends, your paid support, your volunteer support, um, the more of a circle you can build up around you, the more manageable it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, Megan, next question. So if somebody's interested in running, how far out should they start preparing ideally before you know they actually go out and run and, and have a political campaign? Absolutely. So uh, there's a really interesting question because um, the first step of running for office is that thinking about running for office. And you can't do that too early is um, years in advance. You can be thinking about when I run for office, I want it to look like this. Or um, I, you know, for me right now, one of my, my big passions, I keep hearing all these news stories about um, kids lunch lines that, um, you know, kids being sent away because they don't, they're, they're, they're 
their money for their school lunches is negative or the schools that have these huge unpaid debt. And the fact that we're making, you know, families, kids decide at elementary school age what they're having for lunch means they're not learning. And so for me, that is one of those core principles I'm thinking about today that I want to do into the future if I was ever to run for office. So there's no, no point too early to start thinking about it. But when you want to start putting the pieces together, I'd say about 18 months out from the election is when we need to be talking to um, a lot of the ways that the powers that be um, and so just getting a lay of the land. We're not asking for permission. We're getting a lay of the land. What we need to know is, um, are we running against somebody who's already in the seat? Are we running against an open seat? Um, is a group that we want to represent um, wanting to challenge the status quo, um, but starting to get that information so we know what we're up against. But your campaign's not really going to start in earnest at more of a local level um, for about 12 months out from Election Day. So actually, we're um, looking at the fall 2019, we're going to start seeing um, those balloons being floated for our candidates who are going to be running in 2020. Um, and in most communities, most governments, and this varies in every single one of them, you have a filing period. And um, and so for a lot of, you know, the candidates who are going to be on the ballot November 2020, we're going to see them filing to run for office, but actually going down and signing up in the springtime, you know, usually around March. Um, and that's when things get kicked into high gear. And that is a time when a lot of when people do decide to run. So it's not too late to decide to run in March. We just may have to run a little bit faster um, to get organized so that we're prepared for when those primaries and generals come up. Yeah, so 18 months. That's a good good little snippet there. Um, okay, next question for you, Megan. I feel like I'm just rapid firing <laughs> all these questions. That's at you. okay. Okay, so who do you think are great candidates to run for office? Well, that is probably a two-part question, is that we have the candidates who are great on paper, um, but the funny thing is, candidates who are great on paper don't don't always get elected. And those are the candidates who may have the time, they may have the money, they may have the network, um, but they may not always have the passion. And so um, when we're looking for candidates, when I'm looking for candidates, I want them to come and talk to me and, and we're going to have a conversation about the community that you want to represent. And so that doesn't necessarily have to mean that your street and we, you know, talk about all the um, crosswalks and potholes and other issues. Um, I've worked in a community where they have a perpetual flood that we're dealing with. Um, but that could also be that we're talking about something more structural of whether that be government priorities and that we feel very strongly about um, a service being provided or um, in many cases, a particular tax going up. And, you know, I probably don't want to go into a huge lot, a lot of conversation and be philosophical on taxes, but um, when an individual community has either a need or their elected body perceives a need, you might see an unproportional tax come up. And so those can be motivating factors. And that's why I keep coming back to this. Why are you running? And what do you want to do as part of either running or being elected? Um, so I want, I want some passion. Um, and then your point earlier is we are going to have to have some hard conversations about time and money um, because if we don't have money, we need more time. But if we have lots of time available, we can do it with a lot less fundraise money. Um, 
And really, I think it's just a passion for public service and um, wanting to get out there and, and do something. So uh, it actually kind of reminds me as I'm, I'm explaining this and drawing this out in my head is uh, there was a story going around recently about draw a picture of a leader. And um, predominantly people were drawing men as that, you know, stick character leader and uh, trying to draw this picture in my head of, um, I think women are, you know, super women and juggle so many things that it's hard to draw a picture that encompasses everything that is an ideal candidate. It's really bring who you are, bring what you have, and let's get to work. And that passion is going to be what carries you forward. Yeah, I completely agree. That's even stuff I do with my clients when they start to work with me. I always want to know what's the why, what's the why, because that, like Mm -hmm. you said, carries the motivation through this because there's going to be ups and downs. I can imagine it's going to be hard. It's going to push you. Um, But that was one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on Megan too, is not, I think, you know, sometimes we look at things and we just want the end result of getting the office or doing those things. But I can imagine just running for office Yes, it's going to be a time and money investment per se, but the amount of things you could gain from that is huge on a personal level. Would you agree, Megan? Absolutely. Um, I will say even running for office is, it, it opens your eyes and your horizons. You get to meet so many people, whether they are your neighbors or um, other community leaders that you're getting to talk to. And it can, I mean, every candidate, win or lose, have always said that running for a, for their office has changed their life, changed their world uh, for the better, and really, you know, helps them be better and more understanding, more supportive when they look at other people who are, you know, on TV trying to uh, to change public policy, or even, you know, the neighbor, their neighbors who are struggling, and they may not have. They, they may not have seen it before the election and they certainly may not have understood it before the election. Yeah. Okay. So next question for you, Megan, because these are things that mm-hmm. come up in my head and I'm sure other people, it comes up in their head is, you know, we talked a lot about local office today um, because that's could be a great starting point of going to our local communities and, and getting elected there. But does it really make a difference in the big scheme of things? Because we even see on a national level, we elect these officials and just very few things seem to get done. So if that's happening on a national level, you know, what's the point and can we make changes in the in our local communities? Absolutely. 110%. Absolutely. Um, I'd actually even, you know, challenge you to, you know, think of a pendulum and thinking, you know, at the very bottom of that pendulum, you get, you know, big swings. Um, But as you get closer to the top of it, it moves very little. And that's what you actually see in your elected office. And why we talk so much about local government is you have so much opportunity to make change at your local level understanding that as you move up to the federal level, we don't want our federal government to be moving on a whim. We want our federal government to be a little bit more deliberative and a little bit more um, understanding and representative of an entire country. And so it's okay that our federal government moves a little slower than I think we'd all like. But when we think about things we can do today, we can see an impact absolutely you can see it at your local government. In the course of weeks, you, um, by working with your local government, whether this be elected or just a, simply a motivated woman who wants to go get something done, um, within the course of weeks, you can go get a crosswalk put in. You can get a pothole fixed. 
you can um, present grants to government bodies and make sure that they know places where there is need. Um, and so there, there's a huge amount of action that can take place. And I'd say at every level of government, but you can really see it and feel it at your local government. Um, but as you take harder and harder issues, especially issues that are more emotional, you're going to see slower progress because our government is designed to be deliberative when it comes to big structural changes. Yeah, man, I love that analogy of the pendulum. I'm always going to remember that now. <laughs> That's great. That's so great. So Megan, what I view you as is you're almost like a coach for somebody running for office in a lot of ways. Would you view yourself that way? Absolutely. Um, it, it really is a two-part role. And I think as you get into your bigger campaigns, you have multiple people filling the role. Um, but yes, in a lot of ways, your coach, your campaign consultant is your first cheerleader. They're the ones, you know, powering you up. They're the ones giving you the lay of the land. Um, but as your campaign goes on, I also then take on more of what I'll call a back office or back to support where um, helping to run the logistics of a campaign, whether that be the financial side of it, or we talked a little earlier about the advertising side of it. Um, because, you know, for, in, in, for me, when I think about my political candidates is sometimes our political campaign budget is larger than your household budget. And that can be really overwhelming, especially when it's fundraised money. It's not money that belongs to you. Um, so even a little more stressful if it is money that belongs to you. But we're talking about, you know, setting up many businesses, but businesses that are designed to be set up and kind of put on a shelf uh, in 18 months. And so um, oftentimes, in addition to being that coach, I'm also your business advisor. I'm also helping you navigate those business waters, especially if, you know, those are places you've never been before. You've never um, bought advertising or um, managed a budget of 50 or $100,000. Yeah. Oh, that's so great, Megan, that you're doing this. I have to go back. You know, you kind of talked about a little bit of why you wanted to start Women Campaign because you just didn't see enough women running for office, correct? Mm hmm So give us a little bit more. Like, what is the deep passion behind you wanting to see women in office? I, I just have to know. So my journey in politics, you know, started in, in college. Well, I guess it started in the fact I came from a voting family and we took, you know, our political involvement, you know, very seriously. I don't want to say political involvement. I really do mean voting in elections. Is, is voting is your voice. Um, but that turned into my passion for politics when I was in college and I, I actually was studying political science. Um, and then I, I really right out of college jumped in. It was at a interesting time in politics. Um, this was, you know, Barack Obama, first, first candidates to use social media and websites. And um, the, a lot of those candidates didn't, they didn't know how to do it. And, you know, I was an ideal ideal supporter being you know, fresh out of college, knowing how to, to use those technologies. And, um, and really the motivation at that point was that I felt that I never felt led to run for office at that point. I never envisioned myself running for office. But what I did realize is that um, the people supporting um, candidates or elected officials, whether that be government staff, that be lobbyists, that be campaign advisors, is we have a 
very special ability to influence and and share our passion and goals at a very broad level is um, at that point I had a lot of passion about agriculture horses I had sheep growing up and I felt like every elected official needed to understand what that meant and um, but if I was just one elected person who would I wouldn't be able to get that message out there but by working for candidates every candidate could understand you know the rural port part of their district at that point um, but fast forward 10 years is that uh, I really like, as I think back on it, uh, for a good part of my career, I was the only woman running races in my state, let alone my community. And that caused women to gravitate towards me in a lot of ways. Um, it also you know, caused me to have to spend a lot of time giving advice on things like haircuts or um how to juggle your life, how to, you know, plan your, um, your donor meetings around dropping kids off at school. And I found that I was, I was often understanding of that's your life. I'm not going to tell you, you, know, you can't, that you can make your kids walk to school um, if that's not what they're used to, because this campaign is so important, which is a lot of where I'd say my male counterparts are, um, is that they'll give very, very blunt, very harsh advice because they don't think about that. They don't think about the safety net that they have, that their wife's out there making sure that the kids are fed. And so I, you know, I, I found that you know, more and more women were coming to me. And then I think it all came to, came to a head, came to a point um, earlier this year, but we've, we in the political industry have been you know, riding the rapids of gender equality and how women are treated in the political space. And, um, and I, I got to the point where I just was tired of being the only woman in the room. And I, I think so many women can understand that based on different industries and the C-suite. I mean, there's so much talk about that going on in the media right now, but campaigns are no different, whether it be professionally or as the candidate is really got tired of being the only, only woman in the room and, um, feeling like it's always a competition to, um, you know, but it's, it's a lot of men comparing themselves. And I, I feel like at a lot of, a lot of times that, um, that when you're, when you're in the industry and you're just comparing yourself or wanting to have the bigger, better client or make more money, that passion gets lost. And then we start turning out candidates that model where, the consultants are where the professionals are um and so i'm sorry this is kind of a long long rumbly answer but um i just was tired of politics as usual as cliche as that is i mean that's a talking point i've used for years with clients but i as a professional in the industry um was tired of politics as usual and said you know what i i want to see see a change i want to make that change that i've been talking about for years so let's do this thing. Let's build this resource. Let's see what happens. Let's let's make the knowledge available outside of the traditional methods, outside of the traditional people who are giving those messages, and even outside of the traditional candidate or excuse me, the communities, um, the communities that maybe are more that are bigger or have for whatever reason, have brought in more political influence. Let's, let's give that in that ability out to even school board and see, see what women can do with those tools. Yeah. 
Oh, Megan, I just love what you're doing. I love that you're doing this and making a difference. Um, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can everybody go to find you? Well, before I say where you can go to find me, I do want to say is that, Lindsay, it's people like you who are empowering people like me to get this done. Is this passion, these messages, these channels I'm using are a reflection of the great women like you who are out there talking about what women can do. And so I want to thank you for everything you're doing. But Women Campaign, you can find us online, www.womencampaign.com. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, and we have our training program is officially launching in the fall, you know, back to school season. And um, we can't wait to see what we can do to empower and get this uh, next round of women ready to run for office, whether it's election 2020 or beyond. Yay. Thank you, Megan. Thanks, Lindsay. All right, that's my interview with Megan Badera of Women Campaign. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you go contact her if this is something you're desiring to go do for yourself is to run for office. Let us know. I would love to know if this interview gave you that spark to go and run because I would love to support you again, regardless of if we agree on beliefs or not. Um, and I have to just ask, if you love this show and you want to see more interview guests like this one, please go leave a review, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts. The more reviews that I have, the bigger interview guests that I can get because whenever I get asked to do a podcast interview, that's the first thing I'm looking for. How many reviews does this podcast have? I want to see how engaged their audience is. So please go leave that review. I would be so appreciative. Otherwise, I'll see you back here on November 1st. Can you believe it? November is here um, for the next episode, a solo episode. I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about yet. I've got a couple ideas, but just join me back there. We'll be talking about some great mindset stuff. Until next time, my friends, you are only as unstoppable as you believe you can be. So believe in yourself. You got this.